prostitute. And I think uh, he's really doing his best in this episode. It's weird that the one who is the most respectful is the one who keeps going prostitute. But I don't know. It's kind of cute every time he does it. I'm being honest. He's a cutie. I like to imagine the alternate version of this show that we're writing in our heads where this episode is actually, it's still set after the other episode, but this is actually the flashback. They've just been talk. They've been skirting around the issue of the dead hooker for like the last two episodes in the series. And now we finally find out what happened in Vegas. And now after two episodes of us skirting around whatever happened to the dead hooker, it's time that we start listening to the episode of this show that's called The Big Bang Theory Theory. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm Kyle. We keep watching The Big Bang Theory because we're trying to figure out what it's all about. We've almost kind of given up on that mission because now we just go through it because we're bored and we need something to do with our lives. Yeah. Do you ever, I was having this thought today as I was driving over here. Can you imagine what you would have said to yourself three years ago if someone had told you a portion of your life is just going to revolve around watching the Big Bang Theory and talking about it. I wouldn't have enjoyed it one bit. Um, I don't enjoy it one bit. Like, do you think, do you think, like, what I'm asking is, do you think there's some version of time, like, if there were a version of time travel or, like, ghosts who presented people with, like, moral warnings, do you think there's a version, do you think we're, like, in the bad timeline where, like, oh, absolutely. angels are gonna go back and be like, do you see what these two fuckers are doing with their lives? This is what will happen if you don't take that internship. You know, maybe this is the good version, also. Maybe as uncomfortable as it is, this is the version of my life where the ghost doesn't arrive a minute too late after I died with a needle in my arm because I couldn't think of anything better to do with my time. Uh, maybe the the Big Bang Theory is what I'm trying to say is the only thing that's saving me from dying from drug use. Okay, well, that's a good And it's not even doing that great of a job, for being honest about it, but it's doing something. Well, before we get too carried away, we should actually talk about the episode. I'm going to do a dumb thing. Well, it's actually going to be a really smart thing. We're going to still play Wow, our... that was a roller coaster. This episode was a roller coaster. I'm, I'm all over the map now, thanks to it. But uh, I'm going to do the episode summary, or we can do it together, whichever. And then we're going to play the game about the title, because that just makes sense. Okay, after you. All right, well, this episode uh, is a real kind of fade-out, no-fun one. Like, it's it's not a bad episode, but... You know what? I just figured out how we can do this. You summarize the half of the episode, one half of the episode, meaning one group of characters, and I'll talk about what happens with the other group of characters, and that way we both get to play. You know, I think that works especially well for this episode. It will work at least for this episode, It's got yes. very strong A and B plots. So I will start with... Uh, well, so anyway, the nerds are all leading. They're bored. Uh, Wallowitz has a real bad time because his fuck buddy, uh, Leslie Winkle, calls him and totally dumps him. And as much as he wanted to talk about being friends with benefits, he's totally heartbroken. And so the guys are like, hey, we can be fun. We can be spontaneous. Let's go to Vegas. Except for Sheldon, who says, I don't want to go to Vegas. And instead of letting that ruin their lives, they all go to Vegas, and it's great. Um, And then this is where the episode splits, because Sheldon comes home to have a night of freedom. We're splitting. You're going to get your chance. I'm just saying. Oh, you're uh, sticking me with the Vegas half? I'm not sticking you with either half yet. I'm just, this is, I'm saying this is where we split courses and I'm going to let you choose. Jesus (laughs) Christ. So Sheldon gets locked out of his apartment and has to hang out with Penny. Meanwhile, the other three guys go to Vegas. Now, either of us can describe either of those. I'm just going to let you talk and see what happens. Okay. So while they're in Vegas, Sheldon stays home with Penny and discovers very quickly that his dream plan of sitting alone in his apartment eating the food that he can that he can't eat because of his roommate's dietary habits which I get it I get all of that how happy he is how much he's singing to himself just to have an apartment to himself I get it 
but unfortunately it doesn't work because he has locked himself out of his apartment. So he ends up spending the night uh, hanging out with Penny, eating with her, because they're hoping that the landlord will come unlock the door, but he never comes. So he ends up having this sleep over there. And they have, and they have a whole interesting little mini bottle episode between the two of them about life and love and Penny's sexual mores. And then he falls asleep as she sings the soft kitty song. Yeah. Well, and so the sexual mores thing, he's really trying to explore what the hell it means to have friends with benefits. That's his specific thing. Uh, and then, uh, meanwhile, the other three nerds are in Vegas they're all getting ready to go out, except Wallowitz just can't handle it because he's too sad. He's too broken up about Leslie Winkle, so he's just going to hang out and stalk her on Facebook. He does bring a case with him that has about 16 different types of colognes and pheromones in a gigantic stream of Magnum condoms, which I cannot tell if he uses as a confidence booster or if he's just an unfortunate guy who's not getting laid and has a giant wang. But regardless, uh, the other two go out without him because he's too sad. When they're hanging out at the bar, they run into a, as uh, Raj corrects over and over again, prostitute. And he thinks that a pleasant woman is just chatting him up. Uh, Leonard has to point out, no, 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 she's a sex worker. And so initially they're discouraged, but then they think, actually, this would be something great for Wallowitz. Uh, they do ask her to spend the night with Wallowitz. Wallowitz comes down, uh, suspects that he's having uh, drinks with a prostitute, goes to the other two, confirms that he's having drinks with a prostitute, thanks them heartily, and then goes back about his evening. That's really the whole Vegas side of it. And then yeah, this, then they go home. Yeah, and the stinger is uh, Sheldon comes out of Penny's apartment early in the morning as Leonard is arriving home. He's like, what were you doing over there? And he's like, oh, you know, I went over there for dinner and I ended up spending the night. And by the way, now I've, I understand what friends with benefits means. And then he walks inside the apartment. Yeah, I think this episode would have been a little bit better if uh, if the two of them did have to stay the night. If Penny were a little saucy and started to get feely on Sheldon and then had to realize that he really is just a sexless golem. Um, but I, it's never going to happen. It's just what I want. I just want I want somebody to try to get freaky with Sheldon and watch it. Well, no, I mean, you have made a pretty strong case for shipping Penny and Sheldon before. And I think this is another episode in sort of that chain. Well, and so we should also talk about uh, the title of the episode. This is season two, episode 21. Uh the episode that actually does have a hooker in it is not titled The Dead Hookster Juxtaposition, but instead is called The Vegas Renormalization. Sort of on the nose. Who knows what renormalization means in this context? I assume that's like, a, like there were, like, this episode is basically how Howard got his groove back. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're renormalizing Wallowitz to enjoy the company of paid sex workers. Yeah. <laughs> he was getting it for free for too long completely outside of the show also the weirdest thing although it does end up i guess making sense one of like the very quick left turns in this episode is um sheldon going oh i see you've been broken up with and now you're sad i think there's a whole place in new mexico that's entirely dedicated to lifting sad lonely men you know out of the problems of their breakup and substituting new problems like alcoholism and gambling addiction and I, it was like, okay, we get it. Vegas, you're suggesting we all go to Vegas. And that was... Well, it's another one of those, like, let's be as obvious as we can about it without saying it. But then, like, the trick is, in that case, it would be a shitty joke. But at the same time, like, you should say something that defies that expectation. Like, you should do that build up, And then Raj should be like, Santa Fe? And everyone goes, gaffa, gaffa, gaffa. Obviously, that's not what he means. But it's maybe maybe this is like next level humor because that would be the predictable joke that is nonetheless a joke. Instead, they went with the obvious choice. They defied 
your defiance of expectations. Yeah, they really Norm McDonald's you. They 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 ran they Wallowitz normalization McDonald them. I hate you. I hate myself, and that is why I do this with you. Ah. So yeah, so anyway, it was just like, oh, this is a. We just turned to each other. And I was like, is this really about to be a Vegas episode for no reason? Yeah, it seemed unfathomable. Because it was exactly it was also it, it was after the stinger too. It wasn't even like usually if they're gonna set up something that weird, they do it like before the the theme song plays but they were just like no we're five minutes in the episode oh by the way we're sending them off to vegas well at the same time it's good though because they did follow through with it and one of the biggest complaints i'd ever have about the show is that they always set up something interesting and then they don't pursue it which they nonetheless managed to do later in this episode i think multiple times in multiple directions but yeah but i'm i'm mostly focused on i mean it did turn out okay in the end but when wallowitz not when wallowitz when when raj and leonard were at the bar um, being chatted up by the, the the lovely woman who Michaela Michaela, who who is local, very obvious about its sex worker. Ultimately, they do set up Wallowitz with the the Michaela, uh, which is fun that they follow through on that premise. But I was so disappointed when uh, she is chatting up Raj and Leonard's like, "Hey, I think that's a hooker. She's not actually interested in you. It's a hooker." Make her go away. And I'm like, why are you running from the only interesting thing that's happened in the episode so far? Let something happen. Let's just see how far it can go. Ask her about all of her sex worker knowledge. Just do anything. Do something really nerdy that would be off-putting. Find out that she's actually a big nerd herself, and that's how you bond. But you can't ultimately go through with it because you still have too many like, sexual values around it. Like, anything. But just don't take the one... You know, it's like when you do improvisation and someone says any random or weird thing that builds on the scene. What they've done is they've given you a gift. And you have to accept that gift. And then you have to incorporate that into the scene. Here, Raj and Wallow, Raj and Leonard are presented with this this sex working lady, and she's fun, and she's really livening up the scene. And instead of being like, "All right, let's just take the ball and run with it," instead they're like, "Let's let the ball hit us in the dick and then roll across the ground," you know. And it doesn't matter what ball in this context, because I'm not a sportsman. Um, so anyway, that's my big gripe. But, but then, then it does sort of. Work I started out. to say they. I think they mainly. I guess it would be kind of funny if if Raj was so. Here's one thing they could have done: is Raj is like, you know what? It's fine. I've never had. I've never paid for a prostitute before, but I'm gonna go for this. And then Leonard had to convince him, no, let Howard have the prostitute instead of you, because he needs it more. And then they actually had to argue over which one of them was going to pay this woman for sex. And maybe they have a bidding war, you know, or maybe they're making like maybe they're making deals with the prostitute about like it's like no you don't want to go for it trust me you do not want to see it's like howard might pay you more but it's not worth it the extra 100 dollars tip he'll give you it is not worth the things he's going to ask you to do raj i'm raj i'm very vanilla yeah they should have had a good fight about what an easy paycheck she should get for the night like they could talk about how leonard is a weird piss boy we haven't gone over that in a long time sheldon and leonard's relationship i guess has kind of been deteriorating if we really think about it not destructively but in a way where they're just not spending as much time together in their intimate relationship but it would be fun for them to have to convince each other of which sexual proclivities are actually worth the money i think from the episode but well, is there anything left to talk about it yes we, there's the whole other there's the half we haven't we haven't explored that other half at all so there were two there were two things that i thought were really interesting in the penny uh sheldon encounter and again one of them sails by and they do not talk about it and i was so frustrated which is they're sitting there um well it's actually it's all part of the same conversation which yes. is sheldon's like 
Hey, can I ask you, Penny, a uh, woman? Uh, um, how does friends? Are you and no? She asks, "Are you and Leonard friends with benefits?" And she freaks out and she's like, "Oh God, no! Why yeah. would you think that? What has Leonard been telling you about us?" Which I do appreciate that a lot because she does have to have the genuine moment of like, "What the fuck is Leonard doing? What what is Leonard?" spreading around to the community but anyway go ahead yeah and then he's like he's like well i know i wouldn't assume but i i just don't know i'm not very good at reading people and who knows what goes on over here in the apartment when he's pretending to return your misdelivered mail what 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 what, what was that kyle <laughs> and she just sails right through she's like, she's so was, used to the I, mail theft i was so ups- this was like since episode two or three i think Yeah, actually let's do a quick recap because it, there, there are probably people listening to this who haven't been listening since episode one or two which is when mail theft initially came up yeah uh, well and it's just real simple it's you know they're trying to establish what a cute desperate nerd leonard is at the beginning of the show but his infatuation with penny is gross in that he is stealing her mail they never say what he's doing with it or why, but it's well, oh no, no it's, it's an excuse to talk with her. Right. He's, so he's, she comes over and been like, "Hey, do you have any mail?" Or he gets to knock on her door and be like, "Hey, the mailman delivered some of your mail over here. Please don't address the fact to him that you are that the mail isn't going to your apartment because then that might create awkwardness for the mailman, not for me, definitely." Yeah, she's just like, you know, I'm an attractive woman that lives next to a lonely guy, so of course this is my life. This is just these things happen to me. Which, uh, man, not to get too dark, but I've definitely, like, friends of mine who have talked about being stalked, and they're like, how upsetting it can be for someone, for a cake to just show up in your apartment. You think that would only be a good scenario, but there can be a bad time when you just find a cake for you in your apartment. And <laughs> inside Leonard's, the apartment? Inside like not the even, apartment. Oh, yeah, that's And, and that's Leonard no is good. that kind of guy. All right, so that's that was the thing that got blown over number one. Yeah, and they never. I it's just I wanted so it's like basically I thought we were never going to come back to that, and so even worse than never addressing it again is to address it and then act like it, there's some missing scene, some you know the Big Bang Theory, the Lost Files, where they, yeah we didn't watch the the internet shorts that we need to get all of the backstory that happens in between the scenes yeah where penny finally you know confronts leonard about the mail issue uh which was frustrating but then the other part of that probably the more interesting part and the one that really cuts the human experiences Sheldon's like i don't understand because supposedly Wallowitz and Leslie Cooper were just having no strings attached sex, which sounds like an optimal solution to everyone. But he was obviously emotionally distressed about it. Mm-hmm. Tell me, is it really possible for someone to have, you know, emotionless, no strings attached sex with another human being and not catch feelings for them? And Penny is like, well, it's not possible for everyone. Yeah. And Sean's like, is it possible for you? Yeah, and she sexy question. She ducks that question so fast. But that's also one of those things where she ducks that question like me when Nick suddenly starts asking me about my thoughts about hiring prostitutes. Hey, I'm you know this is a real show. This is where we get real. Nothing's off limits. There are no taboos. I just have real questions for real people, and I demand real answers. Uh, now, with all that said, that. You're right. I agree with everything you said, but like just in the context of the episode, it doesn't make any sense for Penny to be so upset because like, when would she ever look at Sheldon and be like, I think he's trying to have sex with me. Like that's just, that's just like a non-starter. Like, no, I don't think it's like, I don't think she was uncomfortable in that sense. I thought it was just, not, it's some weird, you're right. It's not consistent with her character because her character started out 
in this show as someone who was like, no, I bang like four guys a week whenever I. Well, but it never it never said that she wasn't having emotional connections either. If any, because she seemed to be like a serial monogamist. Well, there was that one time where she was like, whenever I break up with someone, my immediate response to breaking up with them is to find someone else and have like a. A 72-hour fuck session. Yes. Yeah. Well, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying I acknowledge that, but that I don't think that doesn't, I think that doesn't necessarily come without emotional baggage. So basically you're saying th- that she, she just didn't want to confess her emotional vulnerability to Sheldon then. Uh, well, no, not necessarily. I, I'm saying it just doesn't make sense that she didn't want to discuss it at all. But when, you know, I think it is, it's whenever Penny is asked any real talk question, that is when she doesn't answer. And it's either because... Yes! That's, I think well, uh, that's right. Yeah, and it's either because she as a character is genuinely uncomfortable or because the writers haven't fleshed her out enough to give her yeah. any real reaction. I think, it's the la- I think the show constantly dodges interesting moments where it's like if this were a better... Not a, I'm not even sure what I mean by better, but if this were a show that were just willing to go on like a much darker and more... Uh, you know more of like the bojack horseman style episodes where she'd just be like you know you're right i just keep i keep moving from one person to the next and i tell myself that this time i'm not going to get hurt but then i get hurt again and i tell myself i've learned my lesson but do you ever really learn your lesson can people really change i don't know sheldon and he to which sheldon of course this still being the big bang theory would be like i don't know i mostly deal with trains yeah uh the only connections i'm interested in are the ones that happen at three and five o'clock where these these two trains would crash if not for the incredibly subtle timing that allows them to pass by each other by mere inches it couldn't have been engineered without the brilliant mind of ebenezer soliasis who and then he'll do that for like five minutes and people will be exhausted into laughing i mean i think that's a lot of what the show is is you're just happy that someone is done talking and the laughter is relief from it and actually so i've had technically a no strings attached relationship but it seems that that works right up until the point until somebody decides to enact their no strings attached clause and sleep with somebody else then suddenly find out that the no strings attached relationship you were in was a real relationship the entire time yes this is something uh it you know i've had conversations with polyamorous people where they talk about this as base this is basically like the the line in the sand that defines the that divides like the fakers from the real people because there are a lot of people who will claim they're polyamorous but are really just obsessive control freaks who want to sleep around but then don't want their partner sleeping around Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. who maybe even think that they're cool with their partner sleeping around but are absolutely not and will go full crazy they they just want to be cool and then they realize they're not cool what happens to everybody who's not actually cool yeah so that's apparently a real problem for most people so i think I think the show's mostly right. I think it's very, very difficult to have no strings attached sex. But you know who doesn't apparently have a problem with this? Leslie Winkle. Leslie Winkle is a champ, except for the fact that she is an uncreative bully. Aside from that, love her. She does what she wants. She knows how to get it. She doesn't take any prisoners. We don't actually see her break up with Wallowitz. She is not in this episode. Wallowitz just walks back being like, she said, Mama's a rolling stone, and then she cut to voicemail. Yeah, I'm surprised that she didn't just, like, leave a post-it note attached to his forehead when she left in the morning saying, thanks, goodbye. Like, just anything to to end it as quickly and harshly as possible, as is her want. But with that, we should start wrapping up. Um, do you have any final thoughts on this that you want to squeeze out before we move on to our, our nerdy things for the week? Oh, uh... 
I do have I, I have another show a spinoff to the Big Bang Theory that I would like to pitch. Okay, I'm excited. Here we go. Bring it on. And the spinoff is is Raj and Leonard uh-huh. Vice PD. Yeah. Okay. No, that was good because when we were watching this, um, L- Leonard and Raj do ask M- Michaela the the prostitute if she is one, and she says that depends. Are you guys cops? Uh, they say no. It was a very real interaction, I think. Yeah, and she says, well, yeah, then I'm a prostitute. First of all. That's a totally dumb movie thing because cops can lie to you. They don't have to disclose if they're cops. That's that's a ridiculous myth. But then on top of that, uh, I think it was you had initially said, "Well, they obviously don't look like good cops," and that's how I, I recognized. And we decided that's what makes them the best cops because, like, they they if if they were to be put on the force that day, just like immediately deputized and allowed to be their vice squad, like they would. They are the perfect marks for any prostitute to want to try to get. Like, they they obviously are lonely and awkward. They've got they they're not going to have girlfriends. And if she can talk to them and realize uh, for a moment that they are uh, academically secure, that they must have some sort of stable income, then they can totally milk that girlfriend experience out of them. If not for the fact that they were the fuzz the entire time. Yes, it's good. Where I did think... Sheldon play into this? Well, I mean. Or is he even in it? Can he be their Charlie, like in the Charlie's Angels? Like he's now the chief of police? Yeah, yeah he, he's, he's, he's the, the lab guy. I mean, let's 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 broaden this a little. So it's basically, it's a whole crime show, right? So yes. he's the guy who, who sits at the computer and talks through the headset the whole time. You know, I've traced this ring. I've traced the ring of pimps back to the central location using this Ooh. IP address. Can he be Oracle after Penny shoots him in the base of the spine? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Because I, I think Penny can still be in the show as the weird sex deviant that's going around having too much fun. And uh, Sheldon, not Sheldon, but Leonard and uh, Raj are always trying to stop her. But she's one step ahead in the fact that she's never actually charged for sex because she's not a prostitute. They're waiting for the moment that it becomes a legitimate transaction so they can bust her. Yeah. We need to Wallowitz, though. Maybe he's still just like the wacky side character who... Who they're always accidentally busting, and they have to let out of jail all the time because they're corrupt. Well, yeah, and he's their—he's their inside man, right? He's like—he's <laughs> like—he's uh, like, ah, oh, shit. You know, who we have to talk to if we want to find out where, you know, who's selling this new line of ecstasy through the West Side Hooker League. Mm-hmm. And Wallowitz ends up developing a drug, a, a, a crush on a canine who has to sniff his dick to follow trails. He just gets so used to the attention that he, he secretly has his crush on the dog, and that's his whole weird B story that persists throughout the series. Yeah, I like it. All it's right. basically a Garth Ennis comic book now is what this has become. I always get Garth Ennis mixed up with Warren Ellis. That's I mean, their names sound very... They're very that's different. why I get them mixed up is the names. I know that they're very different comic artists. It's, it's fair. They come from the same side of the world. Anyway. Anyway. So yeah, that was the last thing was just... Uh, I think in real life, uh, from what I understand, the main thing a hooker will ask you to do if she thinks you're a cop is show her, show me your dick, because that is actually a, that's a much higher standard. Does that mean that everyone I haven't been willing to show my dick to thinks I'm a cop? Probably, because that sounds like a good way to get some respect around here. Like <laughs> I'm not showing my dick to you if you know what I mean. Now spread them. Okay, now let's wrap up. Um, we're on Facebook. We have iTunes. Go there. Rate us. Tell us that we're loved. Uh, we we hit a, a download threshold recently that felt kind of satisfying, and it's nice to know that people are actually listening. So we appreciate you, even if we're awkward and don't know what the fuck we're doing. Continue to support us. I love you. Yeah. Also, one other shout out. This is not my uh, this is not my nerd of the week thing. Not something different. But I did want to shout it out. Uh, 
friend of the show, Chris Benning, who was on this show one time, yeah. um, has started a new podcast. It's called uh, How Do We Human, in which he and his friend, uh, I think his name is Evan, they basically just... They talk about what it's like to be socially awkward living in L.A., trying to figure out the rules for various social interactions, making friends, dancing at parties, you know. Weird. This is so very on brand right now. It is. Yeah, that's what I thought listening to it. My main thought that I had was, ah, this is a lot like our show, but the word I kept coming back to was, it's just so much more genteel. I feel like that is a very pleasant and adorable way of putting it. Um, and I don't remember if I already asked this, but so... What it is, where to find it. Yeah, so it's very new. They have three episodes up, but I think they have it on Spotify. They're still working to get it up on iTunes. But I believe it's hosted at Podbean is the name of their hosting service. So hopefully if you Google like Chris and Evan, how do we human Podbean, you'll be able to find the episodes that way if no other way. All right. Uh, sounds good. Uh, uh, a show for people that like this show or are on this show. Perfect. <laughs> yes. All right, now we need to get to our friendly nerd recommendation for the the week or the fortnight. Uh, do you have one that you want to start with, or should I go first? I can go first this time. I got one All that right, was go pretty for straightforward and pleasant. Is I have finally played these uh, these games. They originally came out for the DS, but I got oh, the I know new, what you're about to do. I got the new remastered versions for the Switch, and that is the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney trilogy. And boy, are those are those great! How does it feel to cross-examine, to feel the power that I feel when I'm in the courtroom? Uh, well, it, I mean, it's great. It's I start, The legal system in that universe is batshit, but it's still so fun. I, I mean, did, that's part of the whole appeal of it. I did a law school presentation on Phoenix Wright to explain some of the rules of evidence and how they applied differently in that courtroom. Yeah, I did fine. Yeah, so I should, just in case... Uh, presumably when we recommend things it's for people who don't already know what they are so uh phoenix wright ace attorney is a series of games they're like a cross between visual novels and point and click adventures where you play the young dashing defense attorney phoenix wright as he investigates various murders on behalf of accused murderers who are of course 100 percent innocent every single time and have been falsely accused just like in the real world right and then he goes into a court of law and uses the most strange uh intuitive logical leaps and and uh and cross-examinations with witnesses on the stand in order to prove that his um his uh uh defendants are innocent but what's great about it i mean it's just first off the cartoonish nature of the universe just works really well like it's it's a you know one of your assistant is a medium who occasionally channels advice from her dead sister or other Mm -hmm. people in order to help you on the case and wasn't the dead sister like your mentor yes yeah um you know there are like you know there's a whole arc involving like you know people who dress up like samurai and have duels with each other it's just it's all sorts of craziness um but it's incredibly well written and the logic that you like it's actually it askew it manages to askew one of the things that i hate about point and click adventures which is where they like expect you to make logical leaps that i do never find very um easy to make and i get frustrated so um yeah so i actually find it usually pretty easily to tell what piece of evidence having gathered it or where i never get stuck which is something i always appreciate when i'm playing games like this have you played the Professor Layton games? I've played the first one. I think that is similar in that it's hard to get stuck in that game because 
just by clicking around the screen, usually on conspicuous items. Or you're familiar with that, where you can get like the hint coins. Yes. Yeah, and that was a really good system. I thought where you never have to use a hint coin, but you know that if you're really trapped, that you're going to have some way of moving ahead. Yes. Um. Those. those so what, what do you find most appealing about it? By the same people. It? Oh, I didn't even know that actually. That yeah, there's, like there's a crossover. There's. Phoenix well, I knew Red. there was a crossover. I didn't think about them just being made by the same people though i thought that was just like an an excellent marketing deal oh i assumed if there was a crossover they were made by them maybe i'm wrong but anyway so yeah it's actually the thing i can compare it most closely to that is so much better than ironically is la noir because la noir is also a game that revolves around gathering evidence and cross and interrogating people in order to figure out like who's responsible for crimes but while that game is like soulless and robotic in and and uses logic that is often incomprehensible to solve your crimes. This one, while being so much more cartoonish, just has so much more life and, frankly, straightforwardness to it. So yeah, and you get streamers in the courtroom, and probably cost like a fraction of the money, which is the funniest thing of all to me. Yeah, like probably one percent of what it costs to make the L.A. Noir. Yeah. Well, great. So recommending the Phoenix Wright series. Uh, any any last thoughts on it, or is it my turn? No. Okay. Well, hold it. Oh, it's a really good game. I just wanted to use that once. Perfect. Um, all right. Also, he's a difficult character to use in Marvel vs. Capcom 3, but he's still delightful. I am going to recommend a game that I've not played in a very long time, and I'm recently playing the remake of, or remaster, and that is Final Fantasy twelve, The Zodiac Age, and I'm going to recommend it with one huge caveat. Uh, so he, this game um, is originally released on the PS2 in 2006. I remember that because I bought it on Halloween when I was working at Best Buy and I was dressed as Abraham Lincoln. And Holy shit, it was released on the PS2? Yeah, it was a PS2 game. Oh, man. It, it was the last of the final PS2 Final Fantasies. And it's... It's weird how much of a desert the PS3 era is for Final Fantasy now that I think about it, but... Well, yeah, because Final Fantasy... Uh, this is the PS3 was the whole Final Fantasy 13 universe, which was dog shit. Um, well, and, the, and I guess that's a, a good way to get into Final Fantasy 12, though, is that playing through it, the world is so well-developed, the dialogue, even if not like necessarily always mind-blowing or super compelling, is coherent. It, it feels like real people they're talking to each other even if they're trying to be like so full middle english about it the entire time and th it's just a really well it, it looks gorgeous um the, the thing that frustrates me is that when when it first came out a lot of people complained about how slow it was and how much walking there was and i didn't notice at the time probably because i was just so obsessed with the grind that none of that stuff really bothered me but boy, is it ever a slow game where you're just walking and walking and walking through so many vast swaths of land. But that is largely remedied by the fact that you can now double or quadruple the game speed, which I've got mixed feelings about. Because on the one hand, it is very helpful. Uh, it, you get through things a whole lot more quickly that you wouldn't necessarily have fun doing. You know, like if there's an enemy that's pretty simple strategically. Which, by the way, uh, the whole game is based off of uh, these the battle system involves these things called gambits, which are essentially um, macros. You know, you can program your characters to take certain actions. And the way to have the best party is to have your group programmed the best for whatever encounter you're in. And it's good that you can double or quadruple the speed. But the bad thing about that is, is that they're saying 
we acknowledge that a lot of this game isn't that fun, so at least we're going to let you get it through it more quickly. And I think a much better solution would be uh, to include fast travel points so you don't have to walk for miles and miles and miles whenever you're doing something. And then maybe to make the combat actually more difficult so it's more compelling. It's actually easier in this version because people complained about it being too hard when the game first came out. And there's been a lot of adjustments to it, like with the license boards and everything, which I won't bother getting into. But at the end of it, I'm going to say um, it's a beautiful game. I'd say it's absolutely worth playing. I wish it were a bit peppier, you know, to try to catch my attention more. But it's gorgeous. And I feel like it's the last real Final Fantasy game. I don't feel like there's been a legit good worth playing Final Fantasy game that actually felt like a real fantasy adventure a lot of the tropes that I think are necessary for the game kind of thing uh, and so I recommend it with the understanding that it is kind of dry uh, anything else that you want to talk about Kyle how you feeling nope I also have gotten the new Final Fantasy 12 but I haven't played it yet so I will be back with my thoughts afterwards yeah I think all that really matters is that Balthier, the Sky Pirate, is a smooth pimp who's too smooth. And yeah. he's Whose Chewbacca is a seven foot tall bunny lady. Oh, yeah, the Viera, because they all look like Victoria's Secret models because Japanese game developers are perverts. They're like, we, we, this game does not take, this game is not going to be a good place to put in underage, busty looking anime girls. So instead, we're going to have seven foot tall rabbit Victoria's Secret models. Just people, just ladies, a, a race of nothing but ladies running around in lingerie with bunny ears. <sighs> Video games are stupid, man. Like, they rule, but they're stupid. <laughs>